Welcome to Bandcamp. My name's Dan. And I'm Jennifer. This is the podcast where we read banned books to try to find out why they were banned in the first place. And for those of you just joining us this season, we are reading To Kill a Mockingbird, one chapter at a time, out loud. What chapter are we starting now? We're going to be doing chapter 19 today. Thomas Robinson reached around, ran his fingers under his left arm, and lifted it. He guided his arm to the Bible, and his rubber-like left hand sought contact with the black binding. Oh, so this is his weird arm. Oh, now it's already slapstick. As he raised his right hand, the useless one. God. It's just a little bit off. It's not useless. I'm sure he uses it for some things. Anyways, the useless one slipped off the Bible and hit the clerk's table. He was trying again when Judge Taylor growled, That'll do, Tom. Tom took the oath and stepped into the witness chair. Atticus quickly induced him to tell us. Tom was 25 years of age. He was married with three children. He had been in trouble with the law before. He once received 30 days for disorderly conduct. It must have been disorderly, said Atticus. What did it consist of? Got in a fight with another man. He tried to cut me. Did he succeed? Yes, sir. A little, not enough to hurt. You see, I, Tom moved his left shoulder. Yes, said Atticus, you were both convicted. Yes, sir, I had to serve because I couldn't pay the fine. Other fellow paid his. Jill leaned across me and asked Jem what Atticus was doing. Jem said Atticus was showing the jury that Tom had nothing to hide. Were you acquainted with Mayella Violet Ewell? asked Atticus. Yes, sir. I had to pass her place going to and from the field every day. Whose field? I picks for Mr. Link Diaz. Were you picking cotton in November? No, sir. I works in his yard fall and winter time. Oh, this is going to be so tough for me to speak the Tom Robinson way. I, I'm going to do my best. Okay. Do you want to just instead of Tom Robinson, why don't you try to reflect like a, a Tim Robbins accent? <laughs> Actor Tim Robbins. No, sir. I works in his yard fall and winter time. Nah, that doesn't sound like Tim Robbins either. Go back to your Tom Robinson voice. I works pretty steady for him all year round. He's got a lot of pecan trees and things. You say you had to pass the Yule place to get to and from work. Is there any other way to go? No, sir. None's I know of. Tom, did she ever speak to you? Why, yes, sir. I tip m hat when I'd go by, and one day she asked me to come inside the fence and bust up a shifferobe for her. When did she ask you to chop up the the shifferobe? Mr. Finch, it was way last spring. I remember it because it was chopping time and I had my hoe with me. I said I didn't have nothing but this hoe, but she said she had a hatchet. She gave me the hatchet and I broke up the shifferobe. She said I reckon I'll have to give you a nickel, won't I? And I said, no, ma'am, there ain't no charge. Then I went home. Mr. Finch, that was way last spring, way over a year ago. Did you ever go on the place again? Yes, sir. When? Well, I went lots of times. Judge Taylor instinctively reached for his gavel, but let his hand fall. 
The murmur below us died without his help. Under what circumstances? Please, sir, why did you go inside the fence lots of times? Tom Robinson's forehead relaxed. She'd call me in, sir. Seemed like every time I passed by yonder, she'd have some little something for me to do. Choppin, kindlin, totin water for her. She watered them red flowers every day. Were you paid for your services? No, sir. Not after she offered me a, a nickel the first time. Oh, so I was, she has a crush on him, right? So she's kind of flirting, like, come on in and help me do this. Come on in and help me do this. And then something must have happened where her dad found out. And he doesn't like that. I mean, that's a possibility. I think she's just, she's using him to do all the work that she would do. So she doesn't have to do mm. any of this stuff. All it's right. like, that's the way I'm seeing it. It's like, she doesn't have to water her plants. She could just sit there on the porch while he does all her work. Hmm. Like, it's a power thing. Like, you know. I hope, my, I hope I'm not coming off as like, um, shaming. Like, oh, I bet you she has the hots for him. No, I mean, it's an interesting idea. I mean, maybe, but I don't think that she would because she's a horrible person who thinks black people aren't up to her level. Right? I I feel a bit, I, I don't, I don't know. I feel a bit sorry for her after the last chapter because she seems like she was raised a, such a crazy upbringing where she can't even tell if you, if somebody's being polite and kind to her, she takes it as a stop making fun of me. Oh yeah. It's like, you can feel a certain amount of sadness, but I mean, when, when she does something so awful. Yeah. I think when you see, when you're locked up in this, in this, you know, shack and they don't have any friends, there's no guys coming over courting her. And then she sees him and he's like, all right, look at this guy, hubba hubba. I would like to think so, but I just don't think that she would feel that way towards a black person because of how racist her family is. All right. But maybe that would push her to it. We will see. <laughs> well, see, Nessa, not after she offered me a nickel the first time. I was glad to do it. Mr. Yule didn't seem to help her none, and neither did the chillin, and I know she didn't have no nickels to spare. Where were the other children? They was always round, all over the place. They'd watch me work. Some of them, some of them sat in the window. Would Miss Mayella talk to you? Yes, sir, she talked to me. Well, maybe you're right. But not in the, I don't think she has a crush on him. I think that the dad, I think he got mad that they were starting to see Tom as a person, maybe. Oh, Like they okay. were befriending him. Like the whole family yeah, was interesting. like saying, oh, well, this guy isn't bad. And, you know, down comes the iron fist, yeah. you know, of the father. Okay. As Tom Robinson gave his testimony, it came to me that Mayella Ewell must have been the loneliest person in the world. She was even lonelier than Boo Radley, who had not been out of the house in 25 years. When Atticus asked had she any friends, she seemed not to know what he meant. Then she thought he was making fun of her. Damn, this is exactly what you were saying. Wow. She was as sad, I thought, as what Jem called a mixed child. White people wouldn't have anything to do with her because she lived among pigs. Negroes wouldn't have anything to do with her because she was white. She couldn't live like Mr. Dolphin. And I mean, the, the black people are right. I mean, look at what's happening to Tom Robinson just because he did have something to do with her. Correct. So it's not like yeah. they were being snobby about it. It's like right. self-preservation, you know? Right, right. She couldn't live like Mr. Dolphus Raymond, who preferred the company of Negroes because she didn't own a riverbank and she wasn't from a fine old family. Nobody said, 
That's just their way about the Yules. Maycomb gave them Christmas baskets, welfare money, and the back of its hand. Tom Robinson was probably the only person who was ever decent to her, but she said he took advantage of her, and when she stood up, she looked at him as if he were dirt beneath her feet. Did you ever, Atticus interrupted my meditations, at any time go on the Yule property? Did you ever set foot on the Yule property without an express invitation from one of them? No, sir, Mr. Finch, I never did. I wouldn't do that, sir. Atticus sometimes said that one way to tell whether a witness was lying or telling the truth was to listen rather than watch. I applied his test. Tom denied it three times in one breath, but quietly, with no hint of whining in his voice, and I found myself believing him in spite of his protesting too much. He seemed to be a respectable Negro, and a respectable Negro would never go up into somebody's yard of his own volition. Tom, what happened to you on the evening of November 21st of last year? Below us, the spectators drew a collective breath and leaned forward. Behind us, the Negroes did the same. Tom was a black... <laughs> what the heck does this mean? Tom was a black velvet Negro. Then <laughs> you keep going. Yeah. Black velvet <laughs> Negro. Go on, I like this. What does this mean? Not shiny, but soft black velvet. Absolutely. Sounds nice. It sounds comfortable. All I can think of is like a velvet Elvis or... Like a painted uh, velvet painting? The whites of his eyes shone in his face, and when he spoke, we saw flashes of his teeth. If he had been whole... Oh my God, again with the disability. Oh, don't do me like that. It's just my rubber hand. If he had been whole, he would have been a fine specimen of a man. Mr. Finch, he said, I was going home as usual that evening, and when I passed the Ewell place, Miss Mayella were on the porch, like she said she were. It seemed real quiet-like, and I didn't know why. I was studying why, just passing by, when she says for me to come there and help her a minute. Well, I went inside the fence and looked around for some kindling to work on, but I didn't see none, and she says, Nah, I got something for you to do in the house. The old door's off its hinges and falls coming on pretty fast. I said you got a screwdriver, Miss Mayella. She said, show had. Well, I went up the steps and she motioned me to come inside. And I went in the front room and looked at the door. I said, Miss Mayella, this door looks all right. I pulled it back and forth and those hinges was all right. Then she shut the door in my face. Mr. Finch, I was wondering why it was so quiet-like, and it come to me that there weren't a child on the place, not a one of them, and I said, Miss Mayella, where the chillin'? Tom's black velvet skin had begun to shine. Absolutely. And he ran his hand over his face. I say, where's the chillin', he continue, and she says, she was laughing sort of, she says they all gone to town to get ice creams. She says, took me a slap year to save seven nickels, but I done it. They all gone to town. Tom's discomfort was not from the humidity. What did you say then, Tom? asked Atticus. I said something like, why, Miss Mayella? That's right smart, owe you to treat him. And she said, you think so? I don't think she understood what I was thinking. I meant it was smart of her to save like that and nice of her to treat him. I understand you, Tom. Go on, said Atticus. Well, I said I'd best be going. I couldn't do nothing for her. 
And she says, oh, yes, I could. And I ask her what? And she says to just step on that chair yonder and get that box down from the top of the shift robe. Not the same shift robe you busted up, asked Atticus. The witness smiled. Nasa, another one, most as tall as the room. So I done what she told me, and I was just reaching when the next thing I knows, she, she grabbed me round the legs, grabbed me round the legs, Mr. Finch. She scared me so bad I hopped down and turned the chair over. That was the only thing, only furniture disturbed in that room. Mr. Finch, when I left it, I swear for God, what happened after you turned the chair over? Tom Robinson had come to a dead stop. He glanced at Atticus, then at the jury, then at Mr. Underwood sitting across the room. Tom, you're sworn to tell the whole truth. Will you tell it? Tom ran his hand nervously over his mouth. Oh, I feel so bad for him. Mm -hmm. This is like an attack on him, as far as I'm concerned. I don't know. Right now, I think I'm right. And we're going to find out that she put the moves on him. I mean, it's starting to sound that way. Yeah. What happened after that? Answer the question, said Judge Taylor. One third of his cigar had vanished. Mr. Finch, I got down off of that chair and turned around and she sort of jumped on me. Jumped on you violently? No, sir. She hugged me. She hugged me around the waist. Dan, you were right. If you were betting me, I would have lost that bet. Well, to be fair, I saw pictures of this black velvet Negro and I said, hello. He's just irresistible. Oh, yeah. God, I feel bad for him. I mean, 19 years old, it's like, I don't know. like what. Well, I mean, your hormones are going to take over. I mean, if you're a I mean, girl or a guy and you're locked up and you're that, you're that age, you want to get something going. Yeah. Right? And here's I, like this good looking black guy walking by it every day and he's probably all muscled up and looking good. It's not the right thing to do. It's not like he. I know. This time, Judge Taylor's gavel came down with a bang, and as he did it, the overhead lights went on in the courtroom. Whoa! He's got like a, a <laughs> clapper hooked up, or is it just faulty wiring at that place? I don't know. I think it's a sign, a signal from God. Darkness had not come, but the afternoon sun had left the windows. Judge Taylor quickly restored order. Then what did she do? The witness swallowed hard. She reached up and kissed me side of the face. She says she never kissed a grown man before, and she might as well kiss an N-word. She says what her papa do to her don't count. Ah, oh, I told you. God, this is gross. She God. says, kiss me back, N-word. I say, Miss Mayella, let me out of here and tried to run, but she got her back to the door, and Ida had to push her. I didn't want to harm her, Mr. Finch. And I say, let me pass. But just when I say it, Mr. Yule yonder hollered through the window. What did he say? Tom Robinson swallowed again and his eyes widened. Something not fitting to say. Not fitting for these folks in Chillin to hear. What did he say, Tom? You must tell the jury what he said. Tom Robinson shut his eyes tight. He says, you goddamn whore, I'll kill ya. Then what happened? Oh, so his dad knows that Tom wasn't attacking her. Oh, wow. Then what happened? Mr. Finch, I was running so fast, I didn't know what happened. You know what he should have done, though? Like, I'm not faulting him at all, but at this point, packed up his family. <laughs> oh, get, and, like, get out of town? Get as far away as possible, because there's no coming back for that, from that, as you know, in this yeah. time period. Yeah. There's 
There's not going to be any justice. There's no, there's no coming back. Then what happened? Mr. Finch, I was running so fast, I didn't know what happened. Tom, did you rape Mayella Ewell? I did not, sir. Did you harm her in any way? I did not, sir. Did you resist her advances? Mr. Finch, I tried. I tried to thought being ugly to her. I didn't want to be ugly. I didn't want to push her or nothing. It occurred to me that in their own way, Tom Robinson's manners were as good as Atticus's. Yeah, seems like yeah. it. Until my father explained it to me later, I did not understand the subtlety of Tom's predicament. He would not have dared strike a white woman under any circumstances and expect to live long. So he took the first opportunity to run, a sure sign of guilt. Tom, go back once more to Mr. Yule, said Atticus. Did he say anything to you? Not anything, sir. He might have said something. But I weren't there. That'll do, Atticus cut in sharply. What you did hear, who was he talking to? Mr. Finch, he were talking and looking at Miss Mayella. Then you ran? I sure did, sir. Why did you run? I was scared, sir. Why were you scared? Mr. Finch, if you was an N-word like me, you'd be scared too. Atticus sat down. Mr. Gilmer was making his way to the witness stand. But before he got there, Mr. Link Diaz rose from the audience and announced, I just want the whole lot of you to know one thing right now. That boy's worked for me eight years, and I ain't had a speck of trouble out of him. Not a speck. Well, good for him, even though, <laughs> like, I mean, he should be a character witness or something, but I'm, I'm glad he's. I'm glad he did that. I do like that we really don't know who Mr. Link Dees is, but this guy works himself into every GD chapter <laughs> so far. It's like, who I know. It's like, is it going to come up later? He seems like such a minor character, but... <laughs> Shut your mouth, sir, Judge Taylor was wide awake and roaring. He was also pink in the face. His speech was miraculously unimpaired by his cigar. Link Diaz, he yelled. If you have anything you want to say, you can say it under oath at the proper time. But until then, you get out of this room. You hear me? Get out of this room, sir. You hear me? I'll be damned if I listen to this case again. Judge Taylor looked daggers at Atticus. <laughs> but it's not his fault. As if daring him to speak. But Atticus had ducked his head and was laughing into his lap. <laughs> <laughs> I remembered something he had said about Judge Taylor's ex-cathedra ex-cathedra see this is where you're like is this really an eight-year-old girl narrating this book right right ex-cathedra ex judge taylor sometimes says things with great authority from his judge's seat even going beyond what he's supposed to say but not many lawyers do anything about it i remembered something he had said about judge taylor's ex-cathedra remarks sometimes exceeding his duty but that few lawyers ever did anything about them I looked at Jem, but Jem shook his head. It ain't like one of the jurymen got up and started talking, he said. I think it'd be different then. Mr. Link was just disturbing the peace or something. Judge Taylor told the reporter to expunge anything he happened to have written down after Mitch, Mitch, Mr. Finch. Mitch, Mitch Finch. <laughs> what if Mitch Finch would be horrible Because his name. real name is Mitch. <laughs> Judge Taylor told the reporter to expunge anything. He, that's the it's the it's the old Harper Lee tongue twister again. Expunge uh, Mitch yeah, yeah. Finch. Okay. Yeah. 
Judge Taylor told the reporter to expunge anything he happened to have written down after Mr. Finch, if you were an N-word like me, you'd be scared too, and told the jury to disregard the interruption. He looked suspiciously down the middle aisle and waited, I suppose, for Mr. Link Diaz to effect total departure. Then he said, go ahead, Mr. Gilmer. You were given 30 days once for disorderly conduct, Robinson, asked Mr. Gilmer. Yes, sir. What did the N-word look like when you got through with him? He beat me, Mr. Gilmer. Yes, but you were convicted, weren't you? Atticus raised his head. It was a misdemeanor and it's in the record, Judge. I thought he sounded tired. Witness will answer, though, said Judge Taylor, just as wearily. Yes, sir. I got 30 days. I knew that Mr. Gilmer would sincerely tell the jury that anyone who was convicted of disorderly conduct could easily have had it in his heart to take advantage of Mayela Ewell. That was the only reason he cared. Reasons like that helped. Robinson, you're pretty good at busting up shift robes and kindling with one hand, aren't you? Yes, sir, I reckon so. Strong enough to choke the breath out of a woman and sling her to the floor? I never done that, sir. But you're strong but you're strong enough to. Therefore, all the men in this courtroom, you right. know? It's like, yeah. what? I reckon so, sir. Had your eye on her a long time, hadn't you, boy? No, sir. I never looked at her. Then you were mighty polite to do all that chopping and hauling for her, weren't you, boy? I was just trying to help her out, sir. That was mighty generous of you. You had chores at home after your regular work, didn't you? Yes, sir. Why didn't you do them instead of Miss Ewell's? I done them both, sir. You must have been pretty busy. Why? Why what, sir? Why were you so anxious to do that woman's chores? Tom Robinson hesitated, searching for an answer. Looked like she didn't have nobody to help her, like I says. With Mr. Ewell and seven children on the place, boy? Well, I says it looked like they never helped her none. You did all this chopping and work from sheer goodness, boy. I tried to help her. And I'm getting sick of Mr. Gilmer here. I'm getting sick I'm, of the boy talk. I'm getting sick of him addressing him as Robinson boy. All this BS. I mean, meanwhile, everyone's treating Ellie May. What's her name? Not Ellie May. She's from the Clampets. Uh, May Mayella. Mayella. It just, oh man, there's such a blatant. Well, and it's like. You don't say no to a white person, I'm sure, because that'll get you in trouble too, probably. Right, and God forbid, what if this black guy, I know it's almost impossible to, to, to think, but what if he's just a nice person and he wants to help another person? Oh, well, yeah, that could, I mean, that's God. what he's saying it was, and I mean, who's to... It's unheard of. Black people can't be good. They're just terrible, terrible people. Mr. Gilmer s smiled grimly at the judge. You're a mighty good fellow, it seems. Did all this for not one penny? Yes, sir. I felt right sorry for her. She seemed to try more than the rest of them. You felt sorry for her? You felt sorry for her, Mr. Gilmer seemed ready to rise to the ceiling. The witness realized this mistake and shifted uncomfortably in the chair. But the damage was done. Below us, nobody liked Tom Robinson's answer. Mr. Gilmer paused a long time to let it sink in. Now you went by the house as usual. Last November 21st, he said. And she asked you to come in and bust up a shiffer robe. No, sir. Did you deny that you went by the house? No, sir. She said she had something for me to do inside the house. She says she asked you to bust up a shiffer robe. Is that right? 
No, sir, it isn't. Then you say she's lying, boy? Atticus was on his feet, but Tom Robinson didn't need him. I don't say she's lying, Mr. Gilmer. I say she's mistaken in her mind. To the next ten questions, as Mr. Gilmer reviewed Mayella's version of events, the witness's steady answer was that she was mistaken in her mind. Didn't Mr. Yule run you off the place, boy? No, sir, I don't think he did. Don't think. What do you mean? I mean, I didn't stay long enough for him to run me off. You're very candid about this. Why did you run so fast? I says I was scared, sir. If you had a clear conscience, why were you scared? Give me a break. God. Like I says before, it weren't safe for any N-word to be in a, a fix like that. But you weren't in a fix. You testified that you were resisting Miss Ewell. Were you so scared that she'd hurt you? You ran a big buck like you? Nasa, I scared I'd be in court just like I am now. Scared of arrest? Scared you'd have to face up to what you did? No, sir. Scared I'd have to face up to what I didn't do. Are you being impudent to me, boy? No, sir. I didn't go to be. This was as much as I heard of Mr. Gilmer's cross-examination, because Jem made me take Dill out. For some reason, Dill had started crying and couldn't stop. Quietly at first, then in sobs, were heard by several people in the balcony. Jem said if I didn't go with him, he'd make me. And Reverend Sykes said, I'd better go. So I went. Dill had seemed to be all right that day. Nothing wrong with him. But I guessed he hadn't fully recovered from running away. Ain't you feeling good, I asked, when we reached the bottom of the stairs? Dill tried to pull himself together as we ran down the south steps. Mr. Link Diaz was a lonely figure on the top step. Anything happening, Scout? he asked as we went by. No, sir, I answered over my shoulder. Dill here, he's sick. Come on out under the trees, I said. Heat got you, I expect. We chose the fattest live oak, and we sat under it. It was just him I couldn't stand, Dill said. Who, Tom? That old Mr. Gilmer doing him that way, talking so hateful to him. Oh, thank God. Dill is awesome. And like coming from a kid, you know, like yep. kids know, like yep. they're not twisted. Even an old campaigner like Dill. <laughs> Dill, that's his job. No, that's not his job. You don't demean people. Dill, right. that's his job. Why, if we didn't have prosecutors, well, we couldn't have defense attorneys, I reckon. Dill exhaled patiently. I know all that, Scout. It was the way he said it made me sick. Plain sick. He's supposed to act that way, Dill. He was cross. He didn't act that way when... Dill, those were his own witnesses. Well... Mr. Finch didn't act that way to Miss Mayella and old man Yule when he cross-examined them. The way that man called him boy and all the time and sneered at him and looked around at the jury every time he answered. Well, Dill, after all, he's just a Negro. I don't care one speck. It ain't right. Somehow it ain't right to do him that way. Hasn't anybody got any business talking like that? It just makes me sick. That's just Mr. Gilmer's way, Dill. He does them all that way. You've never seen him get gooden down on one yet. Why, when, well, today Mr. Gilmer seemed to me like he wasn't half trying. They do them all that way, most lawyers, I mean. Mr. Finch doesn't. He's not an example, Dill. He's. I was trying to grope in my memory for a sharp phrase of Miss Maudie Atkinson's. I had it. 
He's the same in the courtroom as he is on the public streets. That's not what I mean, said Dill. I know what you mean, boys, said a voice behind us. We thought it came from the tree trunk, but it belonged to Mr. Dolphus Raymond. He peered around the trunk at us. You aren't thin-hided. It just makes you sick, doesn't it? End of chapter 19. Now you kids take a sip out of my bag of magic juice. <laughs> so we got two people in the town, Mr. Dolphus Raymond yep. and Dill, who are a little more forward thinking. Dill surprises me the most. What do you mean by that? Because I always thought Dill was more like, look, I'm into my own things. There's a lot going on in my head. Mm. Namely, how in the hell are we going to coax Boo Radley out of that house? (laughs) Correct. Right? Like, But to have him come out and say, nobody should be treating another person like this. It really affected him. It's time for PPP, Problematic Points to Ponder. What, if anything, would be considered banworthy in this chapter? I think this might be a stretch, Jen, is why this could potentially be banworthy is do people not want, like I said earlier, Tom was really treated bad. And in fact, how this chapter ended with Dill is like, honestly, the perfect sit-in for us. Because yeah. I was pretty sickened by it, too. It's it's gross. It's yeah. disgusting. But would yeah. they be aware of themselves that much to say like, well, this book should be banned because this is black people shouldn't be treated like this. You're saying it's critical race theory and it's making white people feel bad about themselves. Well, let's not go into critical race theory <laughs> because I'm not really quite sure what it is, but I do know it's bad. <laughs> I mean, possibly. I, I think that's the reason that there are book bans in in states, right? They're they're taking things out of textbooks now in, in Florida right. and Texas. If, if it's in any way going to make somebody feel bad. Well, not not anybody, right? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, not anybody. The, the few, the proud. The white. <laughs> the exceptional, <laughs> right? I got to ask you, so far, it is really obvious to me who is in the right, who is in the wrong. Mm-hmm. It ain't going to work out the way I want it to work out, right? Yeah, it's going to be a very unhappy ending, I'm sure. And maybe she wrote it like that. You know, this is the ending that exists. And, you know, we could write it. You know, we can change things. There's no reason it has to be this way, right? Yeah. I'm going to pull a dill here. I'm going to start to friggin' cry. Should we start something on our our social media where people can chime in and tell us why they think the book is banned? Because it seems like you and I can't come up with anything. We're not dumb people, but I sure would like to have more input about why it was like in the we're reading the book chapter by chapter. So we're not looking at the book as a whole. We look at each chapter, like what in this chapter makes it banned. I think that's a good idea, Jennifer. Like where you can find us over on Instagram at Bandcamp Podcast. Tell us what are we missing? There is nothing band worthy about this book, right? Well, it's just the two things, the N-word and and talking about rape. Yeah. Which for some reason, like there are so many books about murder. Like there are murder mysteries. It's a whole genre. Right. <laughs> you know? From Ben Worthy to Binge Worthy. Speaking of Binge Worthy, we have a podcast we'd like to give a plug to this week. 
It's Disney dependent. Oh, I love this podcast. I'm happy we're doing this one this week. It's for people who love Disney. Just Dan, you and I love Disney. How many times have we gone to Disney? So many times. And when we're not going to Disney. We listen to podcasts and we pretend we're going to Disney. You know, it's funny about that. There are so many Disney podcasts, like trip planning podcasts and all sorts of Disney podcasts that like all of them are good, but you can only take most of them in little bite-sized portions because they get sickeningly sweet. But why I love Disney Dependent is it's hosted by three people. Uh, it's hosted by Sarah, James, and producer Ash. They're, they're like us. They're like normal people. They love talking about Disney, but they're not like super, super sweet. Yeah, it's right? not it's not as, as sticky feeling after <laughs> after you've listened to one of them. <laughs> if nothing, it's, it leaves a bitter taste in your mouth. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. No, it's fantastic. And uh, each episode, they will dive into a topic Disney related. So yeah. you learn a lot. You learn about all kinds of things and they go deep. So uh, you learn the origins and the reasons for just about anything. What I loved of the first episode I listened to was about Sunny Eclipse. You know who Sunny Eclipse is, right, Jen? Of course I know who Sunny Eclipse is. He's one of my favorites. He actually is <laughs> one of my favorites. <laughs> Me too. He's the, the animatronic uh, space monkey who uh, plays the space organ at Starlight Cafe, which is where... Jennifer and I always get veggie burgers in Disney World. Anyway, I, I'm scrolling by trying to find a podcast about Disney, and I see this episode, Jen. It was called Three 40-Year-Olds Talk About Sunny Eclipse for About an Hour. And that's just about that, what it is. And then you learn you learn everything there is to know about him, and it's actually very interesting. Let me tell you about my favorite one. But, but right. before I do, Dan, tell me what your favorite treat is just in case it affects easily number one the dole whip the pineapple ice cream uh -huh. beautiful dish. right okay well i have good news and bad news for you okay what's the good news the good news is they have an entire episode dedicated to dole whip right on so it's mm -hmm. like the history of dole yep, whip but love it fortunately you know i have some bad news if you oh, listen to it, you'll find out the sordid history of Dole Whip. And it's not as sweet as you think. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. If these people ruined my love of the Dole Whip, I wholeheartedly do not recommend <laughs> Disney Dependent. Go find them where you find your podcast. Really? Do I, I'm afraid to listen to that episode now. Yeah, really you're going to have Dole. to listen and find out. And that's what we call a teaser. That is it for this episode of Bandcamp. Um, guys, listen, if, if, if you're getting anything out of this podcast, please uh, recommend it to someone who is similar to you who might get something out of it as well. We want to grow our podcast, but we want to do it selectively with only cool people. Yeah, and you can also rate and review us. Uh, we've gotten some really positive reviews lately, and I thank you guys for those. A few kind words and a... A rating goes a long way. It inspires us to make more up more of these episodes and you know gives us the courage to do what we do here. That is it for this episode. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode of Bandcamp. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, everyone. <laughs>